Welcome to the Blueville Podcast. My name is Andrew Rosabohm, and today we have a special guest, Joe Rundle. Um, he'll be talking about uh, selecting trees and planting them in your landscape. Joe started at Blueville Nursery in 2013 while he was at K-State, and then he became the division head of the growing division in 2019. I'll uh, turn it over to Joe, and he can introduce himself with a little more detail. Hey, yeah, uh, so I'm Joe, like Andrew said, and been working here since I was in college. I'm from the area. I'm up from Washington, uh, Kansas, so just about an hour north of here. Couldn't ask for a better job, really. Uh, what did you study at K-State? Studied horticulture. Hey, perfect. All right. A little well, bit relevant. Okay, yeah, exactly. Well, Joe, you have kind of a decent presentation prepared for us today. Uh, you can just get into it, and All I'll right. interject if I have any questions. Sounds good. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk today a little bit about how we dig trees and how we prepare them for you to be for them to be planted, and then the ideal way to plant trees at your house. So we have about 40 acres of fields that we actively grow trees in. We have more land than that a little bit, but uh, that's about what we plant in. And so we will get trees in that are very small, about the big around as your thumb. And we will we'll plant those in the field and let them grow out for three to eight years, depending on the type of tree it is. Uh, and then we dig it. And so we have three different tree spades. And those all go on the front of a one of our skid loaders. And it's basically, it opens up and we wrap it around the tree. And then those, then it's got four different spades on it. And those spades all go down, cut all those excess roots off. And then we'll lift it up out of the ground, put it in a wire basket that's lined with burlap. And that's all to keep the roots in contact with soil. Sure. And uh, we do that so that those roots remain wet. Because if those dry out, they die. And we want to keep as many of those healthy roots as possible. So... After, we, after we've dug them and we have them in the basket and burlap, we'll store them here. And we, have, we water them. We have an automatic irrigation system. We put them in, in some gravel. A lot of places will put them in bark mulch or just dirt. But that we've, I've found that that promotes a lot of root growth. And then when you're planting, you have to cut those roots off. And planting a tree is already kind of a shock on it anyway. So we're trying to... Uh, minimize the amount of shock that we put that tree through. So it's not uncommon to see a tree after you plant it. It may drop all of its leaves, and that and that's part of the reason is it's called transplant shock. So, okay. What time of year do you normally dig trees? Uh, so we dig our uh, deciduous trees. So anything with leaves that fall off, dig that in the late winter, early spring. So before it starts pushing buds, like before those buds start swelling up and start pushing out leaves, that's when we dig those. And we can dig spruce trees and evergreens pretty much all year. We like to do it more in the winter or in the in the middle of the summer when they're not as actively growing. Okay, yeah. I remember my first four years here at Blueville was on the field crew, and that spring break push, you dug trees. Oh, you yeah. You dug trees. Sun oh, yeah. up to sundown. So, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a little bit of tree selection, just just some very broad overview stuff. Um so the, I think the first thing that you should consider is where you're going to plant the tree. And so if you have power lines overhead, if you have structures overhead, you don't want to plant a 70-foot a tall tree that's going to be 70-foot when it's mature height. You don't want to plant that where you have 
power lines going over and they're going to because the power company they have they have the right to come in and cut that tree and prune it so it makes it safe for everybody and that's that's a good thing but it can make your tree look (laughs) not as nice as we'd hope yeah so like you want to make sure you're selecting a tree that's appropriate size for what you have you know maybe you just want a small little ornamental flowering tree for the middle of your yard and you don't need a huge tree or you know if you're putting a windbreak in that's all into the the tree selection that's the first thing is what do i have that's going to limit the size of the tree and how do i make sure that i'm selecting a tree for that all of our trees here we should have a tag on it that says roughly what its mature height is and width and those are important things to check out after that you know look at the site um some of our trees are a lot more drought resistant some of them don't like a lot of water like yeah. a spruce tree in an irrigated lawn sometimes we have we have problems with those sometimes i mean i'm sure you see that yeah, yeah yeah it's interesting because they need more moisture in the winter yes. than we can get it here in kansas but they need less moisture in the summer on an irrigated lawn exactly so exactly yeah, yeah yeah so that's that's an important thing to realize with your evergreen trees is the when they're photosynthesizing uh, when they're actively growing is it's kind of almost not fully opposite, but because they, they are still growing in the summer, but not near as much. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason they're called Colorado spruce. And yeah. Not Kansas yeah. spruce. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sure. Yeah. So like water availability, um, what your site's looking like, all that kind of, those are things that you need to be pretty cognizant of. And then like, what's your use? Like I said before, are you going to put a tire swing in it? Are you going to put a tree house in it? Is it a just something pretty to look at is it a windbreak those all take different types of trees like if you want a tree house in it you're going to want to pick a tree that grows big and grows you know strong wood so that it can support that and yeah not a sugar maple or anything yeah like that. not a sugar maple probably not a pine tree or anything like that <laughs> you know those don't make it for uh, uh tree houses yeah you, you want to use an oak tree but it's yeah. going to be 30 years before you yeah. can build your yeah, tree you house. Yeah, you want to plan that out well in advance. Sure. You got plenty of time to drop the plans for the <laughs> tree house, though. Um, and the other thing is, like, making sure – I'm sure you've seen, like, some places where you have an old tree, big old tree right by a fence, and it's kind of grown into that fence. That's damaging to the tree, and it's not what we want. So when you select that kind of thing, when you're looking at the tree, you want to make sure that it's got enough room to grow when you're yeah. selecting the site that you want to plant it in. So those are all pretty important factors that sometimes we don't consider all of those when we're selecting a tree. So once you picked out your tree, you know, whatever it is, when you get it back home, you, uh, I think the first thing that you should do, maybe even before you dig the hole for the tree, is prune that tree. We do a pretty good job here of, you know, keeping our trees looking nice, have them ready, ready for sale and, and ready to go into the ground. But I still think it's a good idea to look over it yourself. The main things you're looking for there are crossing branches. So anywhere where the, the branches are going to rub on each other, because that's, that's a good way to inter- introduce pathogens into the tree. Um, and the other thing is you want to really promote a strong central leader, especially on those bigger trees. Because once it gets to, you know, even if it gets 20 foot tall, it's hard to it's hard for anyone to get up in there and, and cut that back the way it needs to be cut back. Yeah. Anything short of a bucket truck, you're really gonna have a hard time getting up there. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you wanna find a branch that's right in the middle, coming straight up and doesn't have and then you wanna cut all those other branches near it back almost all the way to the trunk of the tree. 
Like you want to really hammer them back, especially at the top, to really promote that strong central leader. And anything else, like you know, kind of shape it up if you can. Um, if you have more questions about that, um, if any, like feel free to email us, and I, I'm sure that we can we can get a we can help you out in some way for sure. Yeah, there are there are trees that don't have central leaders, like a crab apple. Yeah. That's just a rat's nest of branches in there. Yeah, and like Zelkovas, stuff like that, where they that is the shape of the tree. And it's all, it's impossible to actually select a central leader. But if you're talking most maples, um, you know, oaks, those bigger shade trees, you you should you 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 need to pick a central leader. Yeah. And with a crab apple, just make sure that the, you don't have any rubbing branches yeah, and rubbing things branches. growing down or back into the tree. Mm-hmm. Get those cut exactly. out while it's small and you can reach it. Mm-hmm. So now that we got it pruned up. We got a nice tree selected. We know where we're planting it. Uh, you got to dig the hole. And now, you know, in my textbooks, they said, oh, you need to dig the hole two to three times as wide as your tree ball. And I think that is excessive. And I think that is not actually very good for our soil types around here. Okay. Like, I think for me, as wide as the root ball is on your tree, you should dig it or you should dig your hole to be about one and a half to twice as big. And I would err on the side a little smaller for that. Okay. And you only want to dig it as deep as your tree ball is tall. You don't want to have that tree sitting in the ground. That's another that's another way that I see a lot of trees that come back. You know, they're we planted them, someone else planted them on site and we get the tree back after the crew has pulled it out of the ground. And you can see, you know, it was sitting underground, you know, two inches, and that's a good way to drown your tree. Yeah, you need to keep that crown above yep. the soil level. Yeah, sure. you want to plant it tall and proud. So you got your you know, dig out your hole a little bit, uh just you know, one and a half to two times as big as the uh as big as the tree ball is. And then, you know, get that tree in there, get it nice and level, look at it from all the different angles that you can, and make sure that um, it's it's where you want to be, it's where it is, look straight from all the angles. So after you got the, your hole dug, the next thing you want to do is rough up those roots. Like, and this is in a, a potted tree, A correct? potted tree, yep. yeah. Okay, so if, sure. if, you got a, if you have a B&B tree. Uh, Which stands for? Ball and burlap. Okay. Ball and burlap. Um, the... So in a potted tree, you really want to rough up those roots because those roots have been circling around the outside of that pot for a while now, and we want to encourage those roots to go out into the new soil. Yeah. So I and like you want to rough it up probably more than you think you should, and like cut off the you know cut off the bottom. I tell people you want to take you know ten percent off the edge, you know really to make sure that all those roots have have been cut and are encouraged to grow out rather than around the tree. Yeah, I've seen like the bottom four inches of a potted tree just be a root mass, no yeah. soil at all, yeah. or potting mix at that point. It's just, yeah, you need to make sure that those, again, like Joe was saying, are encouraged to grow out and not continuing to grow into themselves. Yep, yep. And and so now that we've got that all cut up, and, it, and we're going to put it in the hole and, you know, make sure it's straight, make sure it's looking real nice. And then if you have soil amendments, I know we, we encourage cotton burr compost around here because of the our soil pH. We need to acidify our soil a little bit to make sure that they have a, a they're able to uptake nutrients, uh, especially iron. And so now we've got the tree in the hole, looks good. When we put amendments around it, we're going to backfill all that extra soil. In. And the best way to do it 
the the best way that we did it when I was you know out helping plant trees in town was you get a hose and you poke the hose after you've got some soil in around the tree you poke the holes hose all the way to the bottom of the hole then you take your shovel and you just gently chop around that loose soil to kind of break it up and you fill that hole all the way up with water and keep chopping until keep adding soil until it's nice and level yeah your goal there is to eliminate any air pockets down Mm -hmm. there that can dry out and can really kill your trees yeah it really can yeah um so what if you do have a a B and B tree? What do you do with that, the burlap and the yeah. wire basket? So you want to take off the burlap that's on top, like that's you you need to take that off. Sure. Um, and in an ideal world, we'd take off all the burlap and all the the basket around it. But in actuality, in the real world, you a lot of times taking that basket and burlap off will make the tree all the soil fall off of the roots and then it exposes it to air and then it starts, you know, it'll, it'll, it can kill the tree. So what I like to tell people is get off the top third of the basket. If you can, if you got some bolt cutters or something like that, or you can just fold it down around the tree, uh, around the ball, just fold it down, try to expose as much. Most of your roots for trees are in the top like 18 inches of soil. And so most of those roots are going to come out over top of that basket if you fold that down a little bit and remove as much burlap as you can. But um, the burlap rots away in like six months. Yeah, yeah, it should. It should. If there's if there's enough exchange of water and air in there, you know, if if it's just completely waterlogged, it it may not rot off for years. Or if it's completely dry, it may not rot off. But get as much of it off as you can, especially off the top. But it's not vital and cut off any of the twine that we've used to tie everything up to cutting that off yeah because that could girdle the tree if you have it tied around the base there yep so we got in the ground we're going to chop that all that soil and make sure that we got not compacted the soil but we've reduced the amount of air pockets so those that's probably the most important thing is is just getting it in making sure those roots are going to grow out and that we don't have a lot of air in there Mm -hmm. Once we have all that stuff done and we've backfilled the soil, like because of the amount of wind that we get here, we have to stake almost every tree that we plant, especially deciduous ones. We sell stakes up the store and little staking kits that you can get for the tree, and it works really nicely. The There's two ways to do it, one with multiple stakes, which I don't like as much as just our single stake. I don't know what you prefer to do when you do any of that. It really depends on the tree. 95% of the time, I think a single stake is adequate, mm-hmm. but sometimes you'll get a really big three-inch calipered tree that's really top-heavy, that's going to catch a lot of wind, and the the ball isn't as big as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, you should probably maybe think about doing yeah. the three-stake method there. Yeah, I, I would say for most people, all you'll usually need is just a single stake, and that's just one wooden stake. It's put at a 45 degree angle, like, and you want that you want that point kind of pointing into where you're getting your prevailing wind from. Yeah. So when the tree blows, it's blowing into the stake and pushing yep. that stake into the ground. Exactly. Exactly. And then we have wire, and it's got we'll put a little rubber hose around it to protect the tree from rubbing that could happen. And you just wrap that wire around, twist it up nice and tight. You want it to have a little bit of give in it, but you want it because you want it to still be able to move. One of the important things about uh, a growing trees when they can create stress wood and they create stress wood 
when that tree is moving in the wind. It, it you know, gives out hormones that promotes different type of wood growth, and it also promotes uh, root growth. When mm-hmm. it encounters wind a little bit, if that bottom of the tree is shaking, it's going to really push out more roots. Yeah. So I think that's a that's kind of an interesting thing. So when we're staking trees, we want to make sure they're staying upright, but we also want to make sure that they can move just a little bit. Otherwise, we don't we don't get the proper growth. Yeah, and you want to be sure that you're not having that stake contact the tree directly. Mm-hmm. So if you can use like a figure eight or something, so you have a layer of that rubber hose between the trunk and the stake. Yeah, that helps protect the oh yeah from rubbing as well. And then after six months, go out there and adjust your wire to loosen Mm -hmm. it up because at that point you've probably put on enough growth that it's starting to get a little tight on there and a little too snug and i would even say i mean with a smaller tree at six months it may have enough roots where you might be able to take off that stake i would suggest probably a year that's what i would generally tell people but with a smaller tree if especially if it's not super top heavy if it doesn't have a lot of you know canvas a lot of sail up there with the leaves and stuff like you may not need anything more than six months just to get it rooted in but i would err on the side of caution on that to about a year and then i mean once we have that stake in then pretty much the only thing left is mulching it like get a nice mulching around the tree it makes it look nice keeps grass off of it and weeds so that the tree's not competing for water and nutrients with the grass so just to the drip line of trees and that not even the drip line you know if it's a small tree, just the drip line, but eight inches or 12 inches, 14 inches, something like that. Just a nice ring around the tree. Yeah. And the other benefit of that is you're not running your mower up around yep. the tree, getting a mower blight, mower blight or the weed eater knocking the bark off and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So yeah, you keep the grass down and you don't have to get so close on your weekly maintenance on mm-hmm. the lawn. And the, the other thing with mulch though, is you want to make sure that mulch is not actually touching the trunk of the tree. You want to keep that off. You don't want to hold moisture against the trunk of the tree. That's a great way to introduce pathogens, and we really don't want to do that. Yeah, so. and again, it's just like burying it too deep, too. You don't want yep. to get that crown covered with mulch. Exactly. It can do more harm than good in that situation. Making sure that we have, we've watered the tree enough and we're not overwatering it. You want the tree to not dry out, but you want most of that water to drain away in between waterings, especially in that first year. I would say eighteen after about 18 months, you're your tree should be established enough that you shouldn't have to water it. But that first 18 months is crucial because we have cut back the roots significantly to dig the tree. The roots can go out over twice the drip line of the tree. And that's, that's pretty common for deciduous trees. So, And the drip line is where the edge of the canopy. Yeah, edge of the canopy, sorry. Where we're putting that ring and stuff like that, that's important. That way we can get as much water targeted to the, where the roots are now. But letting it drain away makes those roots chase that water out a little bit. So you want to water frequently, thoroughly, but you want to make sure it's getting dry in between waterings just a little bit. Yeah, you don't want it to get swampy down there. Um, Kind of a rule of thumb I generally use is for the first two months, put five gallons of water on a tree a a week. Yeah. Or every two weeks even if it's not so blessed hot. And, and, uh, And the easy way to do that is just take a nail poke a couple holes in the bottom of a five-gallon bucket and set it right on the edge of your tree and let the, that water seep in slowly. Mm-hmm. It makes makes a real cheap and easy way to, to make sure you're getting enough water. I think that's that's a really good way to do it in the first, first year or so. Yeah. Anything else that you've got there, Joe? You do want to make sure that you're 
pulling off your your wire in the in the stake at the end of the year. Oh yeah, you yeah. wouldn't believe how many times I've come across a property after a windstorm and a tree has snapped off right at that wire. Yep. Yep. So, that, and that, so that's really important. It's been left on too long. Yep. Yeah. After a year, you need to take it off, and if it still needs it, you put a new one on because also with that wood sitting in there for more than a year, it's probably not going to hold it because it's probably rotten down in there. So if you really need to stake it past that year, I would replace the whole staking kit. So, Okay. Well, thank you very much, Joe. That was very informative. Um, we look forward to talking to you guys again in the next episode. If you have any questions, reach out to us at uh, our nursery here, 785-539-2671. And thank you. We'll see you next time.